Running Sentences presents The Drawn Out Fight Part 8 Nightmare A fight breaks out and as Fast deals with that the group tries to find the source of what's causing the oddities all around here. This is a work of fiction. It is inspired by the manga Trigun. It has a lot of similarities to that series, but it has also created something uniquely different. If you wish to classify this as a fan fiction, that might be what it is best described as. The story is written and narrated by Michael Henry. Copyright 2022, Michael Henry, all rights reserved. The crunch of crystals from who he had hoped was Georgina Pag made a bit of noise and plunged the room into darkness. A cold chill went through him as he heard the growl to his right. A glance in that direction saw two yellow-looking things that may have been a set of eyes. He couldn't tell. Miss Pact. You have come to your doom? Have I? I was told you'd gotten away from rapier. Um, was I lied to? Or are you okay? No one leaves his presence without death. You should know this truth. Well, I, I have escaped his presence without that happening to me, so no, your little proclamation holds no water to me. The darkness that wrapped around him provided no insight into where she was. Her voice was bouncing from left to right and then behind him. A set of yellow eyes, if they were eyes, had disappeared and Vast was trying to keep himself calm by taking in a few breaths each time he had a new thought. Uh, were you human once? Or one, were you once human? Or were you always a dull creature? Hmm? What are you, Miss Pact? It doesn't matter. You will soon sleep. Having rested one of his hands on his pistol the second he'd come in, he now unholstered it and shut his eyes as he fired, hoping the blinding flash would cause some problems, as well as the deafening noise would at least rattle her. When it went off, he backed his way towards the door, which he knew was behind him, and he bumped into it a second later, trying to get the door handle open as he opened his eyes, a loud hissing noise following him as he stumbled his way out. He went through the hallway and found himself in an empty living room. Though the room was dark and this whole space of the house felt like it had fallen into the same darkness he'd found in the room. His only guide was the doorframe out of the house, which was in fact well lit. You want to know about your brother and then you run away? That is nice. Few things are nice these days, especially when a mass murderer is getting dolls to kill people for him. You know why, though. The door to the living room space, which had been right there in front of him, blinked out of existence. It was there, but the blackness now covered all he could see. He stumbled to a stop, not trusting his eyesight anymore. No, I don't know why my brother wants this. You do, 
think. He thought about it, his mind instantly going to the whole crash of coming to this planet. Vass's mind took him back in a flash to the controls that he was wrestling with in the escape crash pod they were in as it slipped through the planet's atmosphere and revealed a world of sand and some water here and there below them. Rapier stood clinging to the nearby door, trying not to fall. A perfect place, a grave of a planet where nothing can live. What are you talking about? I'm stopping humanity from going where they aren't supposed to go. Who in their bright mind thought for us to go out and spread out? <laughs> they decided to leave home for they ruined one place, and I can't have that. I can't have them ruining another place. You've gone mad out in space. These people haven't done anything. Nonsense. I got into the computer database and read all there is to know about those who are frozen in the cargo hold. It's all criminals and miscreants and far, far away from everyone else. No one will ever miss this lot. In fact, I'm sure the smart ones were counting on such a fate. You don't think people can change? His brother made his way carefully over to him, grabbing and grappling at anything to make sure that he stayed upright, and then tried to grab the capsule's yoke, which Vass had been trying to get it to even out. Rapier's hand slammed into it, pushing against it so that it would point the nose back downwards. Nothing ever changes for the better. They will ruin this place just like they ruined the one before and probably the one before that. The ship had begun to spiral out of control with the systems locking up as the controls snapped in Vass's hands. All he could do was stare at the warning lights and listen to the computer. Warning, crash imminent, brace for impact, survival chances slim, brace for impact. The presence and speed they were getting at was being a bit much as they streaked across the atmosphere and then across the sky, bouncing and tumbling and falling in a terrible manner. Vass briefly wondered if they were going to get thrown back out into space, since they were tumbling about in the atmosphere and the sky seemed to intermingle so much here. But with everything pounding on him, he was slipping into unconsciousness. The noise and the lights continued to show issues to him before it all slipped into darkness. There was a soft beeping noise that brought Vast back to life, and he blinked as he tried to figure out what was going on. There was also a soft red light about the cockpit, but he could see little else, and nor could he see his brother. Weakly, he got himself untangled from the mess of the seatbelt that had kept him in place, and looked about at the wreckage of the cockpit before him. There was little here, and it all seemed broken. He decided to try and get out of here as soon as possible. Minutes passed before the door out finally popped out with all the force that Vass could muster, and tumble out after it. A cloud of sand and dust kicked up as he fell out and then panicked a second later since he didn't have a spacesuit or a helmet. Shit, shit. 
Oh, the atmosphere, air here is unfortunately well suited for humanity. I can only hope that it gets hotter than hot, and no one will be able to survive here as a result. Rapier emerged from the capsule, looking wounded but still able to stand on his feet. Half of his face was a mess of blood, but Vass couldn't tell if his face was messed up or if it was just profusely bleeding from a scratch on his forehead. Why are you doing any of this? I made it apparent enough the last time you asked. Kill humanity. Stop the virus that these constantly breeding creatures from spreading out far beyond their own means. Every creature from virus to humanity, all they want to do is replicate. That's everything that every creature has ever done that we know. That is not an excuse to destroy them. Fine, they try and kill things that could kill them. They only see themselves as the dominant species with no equal, and thus can spread as far and wide as they please. No worry about an end result or controlling people to stop them from doing everything in their power to become the ultimate thing that controls the planet that they've gotten under their thumbs. Vass had stumbled away, falling down as he found himself looking at his brother, trying to shake the feeling of doom and gloom. He then found his attention looking towards the sky as it showed a variety of pods and spaceships descending through the atmosphere towards the ground. He tried to get further away from the whole thing since horror crossed his face as Rapier looked up and then back to Vass. Watch your new world burn! Vass scrambled about, trying to get up as his brother walked past, but this drew Rapier's attention as Vass had gotten to his feet but stumbled back to the ground, hearing a loud banging noise and suddenly a shock of pain had hit his abdomen. Vass opened his eyes and found the black room in front of him with the Georgina packed nearly in front of his face. In each hand, she had large cleavers, each of them millimeters from his neck. The people that died, he wants people dead. Yes, and you are in the way. No, I'm not. The only thing that was ever in his way was himself. Two loud bangs followed, staggering Georgina as she dropped her weapons, the look of relief passing over her eyes as she fell over and stiffening as she went. Vaz holstered his pistol, and then, when he was sure that the doll was dead, he leaned over and began doing his usual, crumbling away the chest compartment to grab out the only gem that was left in there. He crushed this, and it caused the darkness in this living room, and probably in the house, to fade, and he could now see a door again. The cold, late evening air was a welcome sign of life to Vass as he stumbled out of the house, looking for signs of his friends, Ori and Mary, who were in fact standing there right in front of him. There was no sign of Fred, though, and they both appeared to be frozen in place. He hurried over to them, grabbing a hold of Mary, who was the closest to him. What's happened here? She snapped out of the daze, like look, and shook her head. A further look about her had her pointing off down the road. Fred went that way, uh, with a figure in a, in a long cloak. I, I... There was nothing to see where she had pointed, and since she also seemed to be coming around, he let go, and as he began to move that way. 
Georgina is dead. I'm going to go see what's going on with Fred. Get Ori to snap out of it and find some place decent to hide for now. I'll be back, I guess. Or, you know, do what you do. As he stepped away, Vass kept an eye on her since she didn't seem to be moving yet, which was a good thing and a bad thing. It would allow him to go without complaint. It could also lead to one of Rapier's goons catching up to them and capturing them if they just stayed frozen. But a cloaked figure? Didn't sound like his brother, but there was a chance that it might be, and if there was a chance it was his brother, well, he had to go after that. Go and get out of here already, please. Vass ran down the road, looking here and there, searching for any signs of Fred, or signs of life, since everywhere he looked around here, it was empty of people. House after house and hut after hut went by, and with some mud shacks with a few wooden supports, grotesquely covered the ground, and sometimes into the road itself, forcing the road to go around it. Fred, rapier, who is here? Who, who is trying to draw me out? A rumble of noise to his right made him flinch, and he looked over. A little shack fell over, revealing a figure standing amongst the rubble with something in its hand. It was human-shaped, but it was dropped when it spotted Vass and turned to him. If it isn't the person who shouldn't have gone to leave Blackrock, I guess we can straighten out that matter right. Quick. To Vass, the voice sounded familiar, but he couldn't quite place it. He definitely had heard it before and stared at the slightly round shape that was bathed in shadows, but still slowly approaching him. Are you having trouble remembering me? After all the efforts I went through to help Smitten kill you. The shape emerged from the shadow of a rather large female one, and distinctively like the hotel and barkeep who he'd come across recently. Vass still narrowed his eyes, his hands going for his gun, but not pulling it as he waited to see what she was going to do first. She fully emerged from the shadows and now revealing who he remembered to be as Maggie, the barkeep and hotel owner at Black Rock. I have no business with you unless you're dealing with Fred. She continued her lumbering approach steadily towards him. The only good thing he could make out was that there was no weapons on her. A sight that he didn't trust, since he was sure that she was a doll, and they never went far without such a thing. I've got no business with that double-crosser. In fact, I think I saw him go off down the road to be dealt with by one of us. He should be dead by now. I don't believe you. That's too bad for you. Now let me strangle the last of the life from your neck. A quick step was taken by Maggie as she dove for him, hands out ready to grab at him and his neck. She, however, was slow with her big body, and he pivoted to the side, hoping his momentum would carry him away from her. Maggie's hands would grab at empty air where he'd just been and then turn to look at where he was now, spitting in his general direction as she flew a second later a few feet away, but still on her feet and slowly turning to him. Oh, I am going to enjoy this. I haven't had a chance to pick something apart all the way down to the bones in a long time. Thank you, Rapier, for sending this sacrifice my way. I will repay you with all my might. She swung at him again, driving forward with her arms out, ready to grab at his throat. 
He took a step back and waited, hoping she would manage to grab him this time without realizing that's what he wanted. With a thud, their bodies collided and her hands grabbed and grappled around his neck as he took aim with his pistol, hoping that falling onto his back wouldn't jar the gun loose from his grasp as he took a few shots into her. The sight of a church he'd once known and collected lost souls in hurt Fred. He could only stare at the sight and the grave markers that were mostly toppled over in the nearby graveyard. Panic flared through him the second he'd seen the mad butcher, and against everything in his mind, he'd, he'd taken to chase off after him. While he'd kept up at a decent speed, the doll had soon vanished, and he found himself in front of this sight of all places. You wanted me here, I'm here. You killed what you shouldn't have. The growl came from behind him and unnerved him, but he stood there, not moving. His hands went inside his jacket, reaching for the many pistols he had. I killed so that I could get back at you and finish what I wanted to start. The truth arrives. Good. Do not do it. You do not have the strength to kill me. Fred spun around, firing off a pistol while trying to keep his other hand hidden. His shot would go wildly wide. There was no figure there and his shot would only meet air and then kept going. I raised you, I brought you up and to kill, and you think you can take me on? Yes, I do. <laughs> the twinge of metal vibrating against the air came near to Fred's left ear. He held as still as he could as it came to a stop just short of hitting him. At the very least, you've grown brave and admirable. Foolish. Fred closed his eyes, listening as best he could. The fired pistol slipping from his hand, he could grab another single-shot pistol from under his coat. There was a flurry of activity near his right, and he tried to duck the long, bladed apparatus that the mad butcher was using came screeching down towards his left arm. There was little time to dodge, and even less time to think. Die, you piece of shit. He got both pistols out and fired them as the blade hit him in the collarbone, snapping it and sinking in. His left arm became useless and pain screamed out of him as he kept grabbing for pistols with his right hand, firing where he thought the mad butcher was when he could get them out. Slowly, though, things were becoming blurry as he toppled over from the pain and frustration. A faint tugging sensation came from where the blade had impacted as the butcher pulled it free and he was staggering about. This doll had been shot several times and at least one of the crystals hidden inside had been damaged from what he could tell. Well, you heard me. I hope you're proud of what you've done. Your life ends here. The long sword arced up into the air, getting ready to pummel its way back down onto Fred's mostly lifeless body that was now falling to the ground of its own accord. A poor idea on your part not to pay attention. The sound of a gun cocking and then firing echoed about the empty road. 
The wood fragments that made up the mad butcher's head splattered across the road as its body dropped to the ground, sword falling from its grasp. Did you get it? Mary came from her spot around a nearby house, gun pointed and ready for any action. She spotted the mostly destroyed mad butcher and Fred lying on the ground in front of her. They were but a few feet away from her. Ori held a shotgun and was behind where the mad butcher had been standing. Her gun smoked as she looked down at this figure. We have to destroy the gems, right? Yes, as far as I know, that's what Vass said. Ori cocked the gun again, stuck it into the open abdomen of the wooden creature, and fired. The gems easily showed, and she was fired at them repeatedly, cocking her gun again and again, to make sure that they were all destroyed. Where did you get that gun? I, I found it as we were trying to make our way here. Then shortly after we spotted this butcher person. Doll, I guess. They both moved towards Fred, reaching their hand out to see if he was still alive. Ori for his wrist and Mary for the neck to see if there was any pulse still left. A stiff coldness was already crossing over him as he lay face first in the dirt. Shit, I don't think there's anything we can do. Can Vass do anything? He seems like an odd one who would know something weird that could keep this one alive. He might, but uh, I've never heard or seen anything about it from him. And then, uh, from down the road, Vass came. Not quite running, but he was rushing his way along as best he could. He spotted them and made his way towards them, hurrying as best he could. But he still wasn't going fast. What's, what's going on? Where's Fred? They both rose from the ground near Fred, pointing towards him and trying not to look at him. Sad expressions crossed their face. What is it? They stepped aside as he got to them, and he saw the sight before him. Vass stared at his two friends with the sight of dread coming over him. He tried hard not to think about the thought that came to him, that this way to his brother was now dead. It wouldn't do any good, and it would likely piss off Mary and Ori if he said anything. We should do something. There's the graveyard not far away from here, Ori said as she pointed towards it. They looked to him to see what he would say, but he found himself caught up staring down at the person he'd barely known. The gut-wrenching feeling that he should have known that this would happen creating around in his head. Well, Ori once again pointed towards the remnants of what looked like it had been a church of some sort, at least a place of safe haven for lost souls. That's what a faded sign looked like it said anyway. Vath then nodded and grimaced his agreement. He said he once had a place like that. Might be the best place for him, even if he wasn't on the path to help people as he once was. Before either of his friends act, Vass stepped forward and scooped up the limp and stiffening body. He adjusted the man in the arms as best he could with the weight and headed for the place ahead of them. They soon found the small graveyard with a few gravestones and some that had been knocked over. Mary and Ori had disappeared briefly to find shovels and returned with the implements and the trio began digging in earnest at a spot they hoped was empty. 
Four feet down, they stopped and laid Fred down inside of the space. Is there anything anyone wishes to say? The silence that followed made them all feel like speaking up. Vass felt responsible for this whole mess, but no words were coming to him, and Mary, who'd said this before, decided to toss in a handful of dirt. May you rest in your quest for peace. He fought to help us, and that deserves to be remembered, I think. Ori tossed some dirt in as well as soon as those words had left her mouth, and she turned away quickly and was gone from sight. You should make sure she's all right, Mary. I'll finish up here. His friend nodded and passed by quickly, her hand brushing past his shoulder and back as she hurried away. When they were gone, he knelt down to look at the hard-to-see body in this moonlight. I didn't know you, and I didn't like you much. But I'm sorry you're no longer here, both for my own personal reasons and because you deserved better. I'm sorry. He rose from his kneeling position and took up a shovel and began dumping dirt into the grave. Quite a bit of time went by before he finished, exhausted, sweating, and patted the dirt down a bit. There was no cross or marking for the grave, which bothered him, so he went and found a piece of wood, which he managed to find, and then also found a piece of chalk inside the church, which he scrawled the name Fred on and stuck it into the ground in front of the grave. Rest easy, your job is done, I suppose. Vass then took off in the direction he'd last seen Mary and Ori. His journey to catch up to his friends took him back onto the main roads into town. Here, life was normal with the late night life wandering through these roads. He looked both ways, trying to get a feel for what might be going on around him. Nothing was standing out as dust kicked up from the passing vehicles and people that went by. Not able to see much across the way, Vass hurried down the sidewalk, making his way down it. Psst! Hey! The noise surprised him as he passed the alleyway and went a few steps beyond. The feeling to Vass was that it was aimed at him, but not by someone he knew. He stopped and turned to look to see who and what it was, but beyond the alleyway, there was nothing to see. After a second of thinking about it, he went back over that direction. This dark alleyway had only the briefest of glimpses of lights shining down in the form of nearby windows from above. Vas could see a smallish figure hidden near some boxes, but it was not someone he was familiar with, and he guarded himself carefully, reaching for his pistol but not pulling it out. He wondered if he'd made a mistake for a second. Yes, I wanted to talk to you. Okay, who are you? It is not important. I need to know where Fred is. He was killed by a creature who is inhumane not that long ago. Why do you want him? Shit, who? The mad butcher, from what my friends told me. Uh, can you please answer my question? I was working for him to find you. And why would you do that? To keep track of you and save you from everything. Vass took a few steps closer to this figure, who scurried a few steps away, trying to keep hidden in this darkness. You're working for my brother. How else would you know about me? 
There are plenty of ways. The governor is one way. Your brother is another. I work for all people. And you... Are you a ranger? Somebody undercover? Officer? Police? What? Gorm spit off to the side at the mention of cops. Unless the useless group who doesn't know anything about anyone. Fine. You got your knowledge about Fred. Now, unless you know something about my brother, please leave me alone. He turned to leave, but a scatter of steps from the small creature caused him to stop. Is there something else? What is it, little person? Stay where I can see you. And why, why, why are you staying? What, what, are you, what do you want? There is someone who would like to see you. Who? Governor Perky. Vast thought about this, regarding it in his head. It wasn't who he thought was going to be said, and that caught him off guard. And why does this governor, if he is the leader of this part of the planet, want to meet me? And what, what, what is all this about? I'm only here to pass along a message. I don't get told shit by anyone. With deep curiosity, Vass regarded the man, trying to figure out what exactly was going on in its head. It didn't exactly sound trustworthy. If I am to follow you, um, there are two things I need to know. Do you work for my brother in any capacity? And what's your name? The small, hunched creature seemed to growl a bit and didn't look like he wanted to answer. The name is Gorm. As for who I work for, it is myself to escape this hellhole of a planet. Nothing belongs here, and yet it is here cursing me to be like this. Vast looked at the small man with the hunch on his back pushed Gorm to lean forward as the creature signaled with his hands to mean his body that was displeasing him. The look did not seem like it would be a comfortable one, but the man seemed to be dealing with it as best he could. I'm not sure what that last bit has to do with anything or why it might convince me to believe you, uh, but if I were to go with you, what do you have to show that will make me believe you're keeping your promises? My word! That isn't much. Fine, I've worked with your brother, and if I wanted to take you to him, you would already be there with him. Vast took a second to consider this man named Gorm, and if he was trustworthy. It didn't feel like it at all, but he also couldn't deny that what was being said was probably true. One rarely went to Rapier, because he always found who he wanted. I'll agree if you go ahead of me by twenty feet, and I will follow you. You promise? Yes, I promise. The figure of Gorm moved past him in a hurry with a nod of his head and a waving of his hand to follow him. Back out on the road, Vast did follow this figure the way he'd originally been going. There weren't many people out in the boat, but uh, there were a few drunks and those plying their trade of sex. Still were out and about. Vast shook his head several times as he followed the straight line of the road, until they came to one of the grandest-looking hotels he'd ever seen. It had a castle-like exterior made of stone that towered over all things around it. 
the hunched Gorm went in right through the front door, not bothering to wait for him. The quiet, barely-lit lobby he entered was not a friendly-looking place, as two burly guards were right inside the door. They both put up their hands to stop him from going any further. Who are you? Um, I'm Vass. Business here? I was following an associate who said someone wanted to meet me here. One of the guards cast a glance back towards the mostly empty room. We don't see anybody. Who are you coming to see? I reported the uh, governor... Berkey I was sent here by a man named Gorham. Yeah, he said he was here. Or, well, he came in here, anyway. What do you think, Clark? I'll ring up and see what's going on. The one who looked back moved off to the nearby hotel reception desk, where a frightened-looking worker was. The phone was pushed over to this Clark, who picked it up and began the process of calling somebody. What's your name? Um, Vass. Simply Vass. No other name than that. Uh, are you you guards for the governor? Eh, uh, there have been rumors someone wanted to kill Perky. So I job to stop that kind of thing. Clark had a return with a rather hard look on his face and growled something the Vass couldn't make out. The other guard did appear to catch it, though, in the way they turned and nodded. No one is available to meet you at this hour. Yeah, well, it is late, I suppose. Uh, do you mind if I wait in the lobby until it is pro the proper time to meet someone? There was a shrug from the one who hadn't given his name, and the other one was shaking his head now. Clark didn't want him around, apparently. I'm either going to be waiting outside the door to come in when the morning comes, or in the lobby. Your choice? Outside with you? You claim someone came in here, but no one else has come in. You want to see the governor, but Perky has never heard of you. I don't know what to tell you, I'm sorry. The truth. I've already done that, and it has only gotten me to be right in front of you two without getting any further. Stop wasting your time and leave already. Vass began backing towards the door, but kept his eyes on the two guards who moved forward with each step he went back. Outside, the cool air greeted him down the quiet road as the door closed. The two guards filled the glass entranceway behind it, trying to look menacing. They were sort of succeeding, but Vass waved to them and moved to the side just out of their sight line of the pair and found a nearby bench to go sit on. Time went by slowly despite the late hour, with night already fading. A lot had happened, and the events so far had taken a toll on him, but he could not sleep. Not yet, at least. Hours rolled by, with the street becoming busier and busier, but there was no sign of anyone going in or out of this hotel. Vass had also kept an eye out for his friends, but they hadn't shown up either. When the sun was a decent ways up into the sky, he rose again and headed for the front door of this hotel, figuring he wasn't going to get far, but one never knew. Coming into the lobby was no big deal as no guards appeared, nor was anyone in this place. Vass stepped into a cold, cold room and peered about carefully, 
With no one around, it felt off and reminded him of what had happened in the town hall. He waited a minute or two for someone to pop up, hoping that it would occur while thinking it was unlikely to happen. Vast made a quick decision to go over to the desk to see if there was a check-in book and found it pretty easily. He flipped through the recent entries, looking for unusual names in case the governor was under a secret name. What was the governor's name again? Perky? Would he use that to check into a hotel? Seems unlikely, but who knows? The few recent pages did not have a name listed, but there were a few uh, odd names all on the second floor. A look at the nearby key cubby for that floor showed that they were all gone. With a shrug, he closed the book and decided to go check that second floor. The stairs up were slicked, and he did slip on them as he went up to the second floor. Once safely on this floor, he looked about trying to decipher what was going on around this area and why the floor felt so slippery. No obvious signs, so he gave up on that and looked down the hallway to his right. Nothing seemed to be off, and he looked to his left. Still nothing off. It did feel eerily cold, and it clicked into Vass's mind what felt so off. Doc Cold, are you here? He took a step to his right, with the ground feeling not as firm as he would have liked, and a bit slippery. There wasn't any response, and he wasn't expecting there to be one. But no longer feeling safe, Vass pushed aside his jacket and pulled out one of his guns. I know you're here, or you were here, Cold. Did you get sent here by my brother? We can talk about this, and I won't do anything to you. Freedom from my brother if you're willing to have a conversation. Another few steps were taken carefully, so he didn't slip on the hidden ice on the floor. Everything felt like he should be extremely careful just to be safe. Step by step, he made his way to the right, looking for some sign that there was a presence of a doll here. It all looked pristine and frozen in place, though. You know that I know you're here. Were you here for the governor or something else? Is it my brother? Come on, I know you've been dying to talk to anyone about this matter at hand. It's in your blood to brag about how you've bested something. A creak of a noise came from somewhere ahead of him. Vast gulped and readied himself for the bad things coming his way. I did my job and now you're in my way. I wish to leave as I have no further business here. Please don't be in the way right now. It isn't nice. The voice of Doc, cold while familiar, wasn't friendly sounding. Every sense in Vast's body was complaining that he was about to be attacked. His grip on his gun tightened again as he waited for the cold air to suddenly take over the room. It wasn't coming as he stared towards where he felt the voice had come from. A job for my brother. I don't talk about those sorts of things with the likes of you. I told you that. Maybe you had a change of heart since I last saw you, at least to give me an idea of why you were here. Things were getting in the way of other things getting done. I came to help move matters in the right direction. Through death? 
There was no response, but he did see a shadow move at the end of the hallway, and towards the end of the hallway, and not wasting any time, he leveled his pistol and fired towards it. The bang echoed about the hallway. You can't get out of here, Cold, not without answering questions if you want to go this way. You choose death, then. Parties will be displeased with this choice of yours. To me, though, it is but another day. I choose to know what's going on. My brother wants death, as do you, apparently. What I want is for the world to be given a damn chance. Cold air now began spreading from the end of the hallway. So Vast shot his gun in that direction, trying not to hit anything other than the wall. The desired effect of stopping the spread came instantly. If you're going to stop me, you're going to have to start shooting to kill me. We shall see. Now are you going to spend forever hidden, or are you going to run away scared? Your own life is on the line if you kill me. How did you come up with that idea that if I killed you, it would somehow boomerang back at me? Doc Cold came out from the side, holding up his hand as he dripped frozen water off of it. My brother hasn't killed me yet, so he wants me for something. And if you're working for him, that means you're bound to his words. Can't kill shit if it goes against his will. That's where you're wrong. He didn't say anything about you. Vass shot twice towards Doc Cold's hand, trying to stop him from doing anything. There was a sudden, heavy, cold feeling that made Vass's muscles tighten up to keep warm. As the bullet nipped at Doc Cold's finger, and the other one was just off, missing completely. Cold winced from the pain, but he kept his hand up. Well then, I guess we both might wind up dead, then. He fired the pistol again, which was met with a click from the hammer, which he frowned at. Either he was out of ammo, somewhat unlikely, or a misfire was now stuck in his gun. Moving was not an option in case the thing went off, but it was getting harder to hold the gun. A harsh, frozen feel had crept across the metal. My powers are greater than any gun. Water beats bullets all day long. I don't think that's how that works. It is, and now you will be frozen forever in place. The air got colder and colder, but he held on to the gun, waiting and hoping that it was a hang fire. Death doesn't come easily to me, nor will I stay frozen for long. You would have to stay here for a long time for that to work on me, I think. I doubt you have time to sit around and spin your magic. Think all you want. With a bang, the gun went off. End of part eight of the drawn out fight. Thank you for listening.